I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. You're listening to The Leaf Report. Follow the guys on Twitter at Jonas Siegel and at Myrtle. Hey, what's that thing that you're doing? James, we're back with another edition of the podcast, the Leaf Report podcast, brought to you by Babsox. It is probably one of the crappiest days of the year. This, I don't think I've ever experienced a day of weather like this. It was eight degrees at like 10 o'clock in the morning. It's going down to like minus 14 tonight. It is colder. It's about one in the afternoon. It is colder at one in the afternoon than it was at like eight o'clock, seven o'clock in the morning. What is going on? Well, and it wasn't, what was it, like a week ago when it was like minus 20-something? It's going to be tomorrow again. So just nobody, nobody leave your home, just listen to the podcast and relax. I think all this, like, I don't know, maybe this will be controversial to talk about, but it feels like all this climate change stuff is just like... So the, the 99% of scientists who agree that it's happening are right? The thing that's oh concerning, God. though, is that, like, you and I plan to live in Toronto for a long time. You've already lived here for a long time, and... Our, you know, my kids are going to grow up here and everything. It's like, what if this just keeps getting worse and worse and every year? This is a totally a tangent. We weren't planning on talking about this, but like, it looks like, so like there's all the snow out there. It's eight degrees in the morning. All the snow melts. There's water everywhere. It's raining. And then it's going to be like minus 10 in a few hours. And it's going to be all ice. Like I'm worried I can't even, I didn't drive here to do the podcast because I'm worried about it. I'm worried I can't even walk down the street after we're done. Yeah. Well, you're going to need like special boots. Yeah. We're going to be snowshoeing around but i just i don't know it's this weather this winter has been very extreme yeah and wasn't last winter pretty warm i yes like unseasonably warm yes there's a uh ice rink they put up across street from my house like a natural one and it was frozen for only about six days of last winter it just like it was it was barely able to be up because it was there were hardly any really cold days yeah all right well the the climate report podcast (laughs) it's it's our new it's our new feature. Yeah. Okay, so we have a lot to talk about. Um, where, uh, do you, where do you want to start? I don't even know You the haven't topics. seen my list. You know what? That I, so I put out the call for questions, and most of them were about either Mike Babcock or Roman Polak. Okay, which would you prefer to start? Because they're think sort they're of re- I think they're related. Yes. I think they're related. Um, <sighs> well, actually, I did actually look at some of the questions, and a lot of them are, like you said, they're just kind of about Babcock decision-making. Right. So maybe let's start there. Fans are very frustrated. Yeah. I think what we'll start off with saying, did you see my tweet yesterday afternoon about how the Leafs just aren't really playing that well? You know, their, their score-adjusted Fenwick is about 47 48% over mm-hmm. 18 games. So it's a big stretch of – they've only played 45. So 
and they've only won five games in regulation or overtime in their last 18. Mm-hmm. That's not very good. So I think there's like this kind of this misleading narrative in the city still and among some of the fan base that because their record is so good, because they have a 90% chance to make the playoffs, because the other teams in the Atlantic are so far behind them, everything's okay. I don't think that's the case. Well, it's interesting reading your story after – what game was that? Um, I can't even remember the games. I guess it was the Columbus game. Okay. Um, basically about where they're at, whatever whatever game it was. But it got me thinking, like, they don't feel like a cup contender anymore. In this form, in the way that they're playing, in the way that the roster is composed, I don't think of them like a, a team that couldn't no. win the cup this year. They're that like- can change, but, like – Right now, they don't feel like that. I thought they would be one of the best eight teams in the league this season, and they're more like 12, 13, 14 right now. Yeah, and you probably don't win a cup like that. Not really. Like, I know people are going to point and say, well, Nashville was in the final last year, and LA won when they were in eighth seed, but those teams were better than what their record said. Like, that happens sometimes that you're. I think the Leafs are probably worse than their record. They've won shootouts. They've, you know. Yeah. Are they. I think we asked this last week. Are they better than last year or worse than last year? The they, same. They seem pretty similar to me. I mean, they've had yeah. It's funny actually. If you, injuries, if you look but. at like um, if you look at all like the the big stats, like goals per game, goals against, penalty kill, power play, all that stuff, it's very very close to last year. Well, they're on pace for ninety six points, which is one more than last year. So, but it's funny. Like we came into the year thinking like with you know they add Marlowe, they add Hainsey, they've got Matthews, Nealander, all these guys in year two that they'd be better like that they would legitimately be a team that could win remember early in the year you we, one of the stories we wrote was how the Leafs were going to be the highest scoring team in the league this year no, I wrote they're that not. after the first game they're not like they but you look at their forwards and they probably should be and yet they're scoring a lot more than they did last year like so for all the times like we talk about like they're not as scary they're not this they're not that they're they're scoring more now some of that could be you know they've had all these eight, they've scored eight I think two times they've scored right. seven like they've had a few times. games where they just blew up a yeah, goalie so maybe yeah. that's it but they just don't feel do you think that's expectations like i wrote after the vegas game uh kind of previewing what's ahead in in 2018 and babcock actually had this really good answer about you know i asked him what they accomplished in 2017 and he said you know we've gone from a team that had no expectation to one that has expectation so suddenly when people think you're good and you're not as you're not maybe hitting that bar maybe it just changes the way you perceive them do you know what I mean? Like, I just think that fans wanted to see some kind of a step forward this year, and sure. I don't. I don't think we've seen it. In some ways, there's been steps back. Well, okay, so this comes back. I don't to- think it's just Matthews being hurt either. No, no, I don't think it's that. I mean, those ten games they did not look good, and they no, won six of them. Right. Um, but so this this kind of comes back to Babcock. It's pretty clear they're playing differently than they did in the past. Right. Like stylistically, I think that's you can the thing. See it. Now, do you think that Mike Babcock is looking at this and saying, you know, this is a year when we can start, like, actually making real progress. We need to start playing the way that we're going to be playing in the playoffs from day one to kind of set that tone. Do you think that's at all what's going on? Yeah. I think that he believes this kind of ugly style is how you win in the playoffs. It's kind of what he had Team Canada do, right? When Team Canada, like, they kind of won boring, shutdown games in the olympics right so, so is that wrong like i guess the, the question is like do they is it a good thing if they're looking they're fun and they're exciting and all those things but 
but if they if you can't win that way, can't you be both? Like, can't you I don't be know. good defensively and then like exciting offensively? Okay, so who's well, I guess so. Who's a good? I was gonna say who's a good team who does that? Would Tampa? You say Tampa. Yeah, like you can be. I think you can be a good defensive team and still like dynamic offensively. The Leafs are just like. But the difference between them and Tampa is their their core forwards are a lot younger. Right. So maybe he feels like. I have to instill this mentality, this mindset, this playing style. I'm pretty sure that is how he feels, yeah. He's trying to figure out how to get, he talks about it, get the team to the next level. And he thinks the way to do that is teach them more structure and more defensive. But the weird thing is, like, they looked at times more structured last year. I know. I know. I agree. And, and It's like a confused team, almost. It's like the players all are... Maybe that makes sense. Like, maybe if you try to change the way you play and you've got all these guys who are in their second NHL season or young in their NHL careers, maybe they're, like, just actually literally trying to figure right. it out and not always working at like, it. Like, they can't – they won't say that to us that, like, this, no, but they, like, they don't understand the system or – Or they're just trying to figure it out. Right. Like, and they're, they're messing up. Like, I mean – Maybe it's, it's the funny. wrong system for some of these guys. That's a fair question. Sometimes, it, like, one thing that was interesting is that – having watched Ron Wilson and, and Randy Carlisle and Peter Horacek and, and Mike Babcock is that different players excel in different systems for sure. You definitely see that. Mm-hmm. Randy Carlisle fits much better with the Anaheim Ducks than he did with a team, you know, where he's playing Tyler Bozak 21 minutes a night. And he, he needs, he needs horses that he can ride in all situations. And he didn't really have them in Toronto. But you also do see, like, these games where, and there haven't been a lot, like, where it, it seems to come together. Like, that Calgary game, to me, was a really good example. Where it was like, if they played like this, that's a, that's a cup-contending team. That's such a long time ago. But that's like, that's, like, two months ago. Right. That's, like, the end of November. And it's funny, I was talking to Ron Hainsey kind of about the way that he thought that they could get better defensively, and he was kind of pointing that out. He's like, you know, some games... You haven't written not, that piece yet. No, I haven't. So I won't spoil everything. Sorry. But he said, like, sometimes it'll be a period where they'll do it, and then the other two periods it'll just get away from them. And, like, you saw that in that Tampa game. Like, they, there were stretches where they looked good. You know, and he said, you know, there's a different mentality. This is what, what Hainsey said. Uh, when you're facing a team like Tampa, like, you know you have to be on your toes. Otherwise, like, they'll embarrass you. And yet, I think you pointed this out after the other game. Sometimes, like, they, put, they seem to play down to their competition, yeah. like the Ottawa game. Yeah. I think they, they do they for sure. They dominated Ottawa. Right. And yet there were like these really glaring mistakes. So maybe they didn't exactly play down to them, but I don't know. Anyway, it's just, here's the thing. Like, do you think it's going to click for this team and then they're going to be much better over the last, what do they have, 37 games left? Are yeah. they going to, is it going to come together for them in the last 20 or 30 games? Or are they just going to look kind of lost for the whole year? Well, if you use last year as like a precedent, from March on, they, they got look better. terrific. Yeah. Right. So if they look like that. And the other thing, like, that, I to bring it back to Matthews, Matthews has not looked like Matthews really since the first injury. Um, and, like, the possession stats kind of show that. Like, that line isn't dominating other teams. There are shifts where, like, that shift against Ottawa where he held the puck away from four guys. There are shifts, but, like, for the stretch of 60-minute yeah. games, like, he's his line He doesn't is have not, the puck as much as he did last no. year. And he's maybe making, I'm wrong that the Matthews injury isn't the reason. Maybe that maybe that's a big reason because they need him to be one of the top five players in the uh, NHL. And yeah, well, and if his line before, like at his peak, is like fifty four percent, whatever it is, 
and now suddenly it's 47, maybe that's the difference. That's like you have one uh, line that's, that's kicking the yeah. shit out of the opposition. And the Ka- the Kadri line just doesn't have enough offense. And the Bozak line has been good lately, but overall has been. I think the Bozak line's been fine. The fourth line, I don't like. Yeah, so Again. we're going to get to that. There, we have some questions that people asked on Twitter that you threw out. Uh, but let's start like to kind of flow into the Babcock decision-making. I feel like with Roman Polak, he feels like he doesn't have a better option. What do you, Why do you think he's wrong? Well, because I think that we're talking about this unfinished product that this team is. Why not give the younger players a chance to play those like Roman Polak's playing the minutes and screwing up and making mistakes and the fans are going ballistic and he's been on the ice for more five on five goals against than anybody since Zaitsev has been out yeah 11 and 11 games is not good it's a lot especially because he's only playing like the fourth or fifth most even strength minutes on the team yeah Travis Dermott comes in plays two games not a ton of minutes looks great uh I would keep rolling with that I think my sense is that Babcock's mentality is he wants to get before he gives up on Polak, he wants to give him every chance to try and show him what he can do. I, it's almost, I, I said this in the press box the other day, um, it's almost like you can see with Mike Babcock, you can see a player struggling and struggling and struggling, and he just gives them that extra. He waits longer than we would. Well, I, like I It's like more patience or something. Jamie McLennan was talking about this on Overdrive, and he thought exactly that. He said like he thinks he's trying to give him a stretch of games coming off a broken leg where he can show if he can still play. But like... Isn't 25 games enough? Like, isn't 20 games enough? Like, how many games do you give a guy before you say, okay, this isn't working? The other thing about it is um, I think there's, like, a trust thing. Like, whether it's, like, even though the results say otherwise, it's like he feels like he knows what he's going to get from Polak. He wants the Polak that he had last year that he felt really comfortable in on the PK and in third pair minutes. I think that Polak's best play for the Leafs since he's joined them, was the last, whatever, 30 games of last season mm-hmm. before the, he broke his leg. Babcock wants to try and get that back because he knows they're really thin on the right side. And I think he has this opportunity now with Zaitsev out where, you know, they're in relatively safe playoff position. Can I get that Polak back as an option for me? I wonder, like, you see this sometimes with, with Babcock where he'll he'll try a guy and try a guy and try a guy and then no, it's over, and he's gone. Like, remember Milan Mahalik at the beginning of the year? He gave five, five games. games, though. Yeah. Okay, that's, I would, maybe that's a bad I would ex- think he knew right away that guy wasn't staying on the team. I don't buy so that. So why did he give him five games then? To make a show that he got, he gave him yeah. an opportunity. Okay, well, maybe that's a poor example. But there have been other examples of guys where he's like, try him, try him, try well, him, now you're out. how about Martin Marincin? Sure. But he didn't get much of a chance this year. But last year he did. Last year he did. Last year he got a lot of chance, yeah. Dominic Moore, like look how long Dominic Moore had. I think it has been clear from day one that Mike Babcock is not on Team Dominic Moore and is just trying to find some other option. Anyway, we're going to talk about that a bit later. Um, But so what do you think? So you think the answer, if they... if I think Zaitsev comes back and if Polak continues to look this crappy, that... Polak will get some time in the minors or the press box or... In place of who? Like, who is taking that spot? Like, the thing with Polak is you don't need him as much when Zaitsev comes back. You just don't. No. And that's, like, when you look at this stretch without Zaitsev, he's their first penalty-killing unit, and he's playing, like, basically top four minutes. Like, he plays with Gardner most of the game even though he's not paired that way. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's getting 16 to 18 minutes a lot of the game. So games. maybe you drop him down to 12 to 14. I don't know. I think I've seen enough that I don't want to play him at all. And, like, I would like to see Dermot play more. 
and the Leafs are in safe playoff position. So you would have a third pair of Borgman I think Dermott? What, I think what you do is you send Borgman to the Marlies, play him 22 minutes a night down there. Okay, so tell me what the defense looks like. Riley Hainsey, Gardner Zaitsev. Dermot Carrick. Yeah, see, I'm not sure I'm on that board. I haven't seen enough. So you'd rather play Polak then? No, I... Maybe you just alternate know, maybe Carrick you, and, and Polak and, and... Or maybe you on do the right Borgman side. and... Yeah, Dermot? but then but then you got to wave somebody. You know they're not going to carry eight that's defensemen. Yeah, you're not, that's why you're I would. Not. That's why like if you send Borgman down, it buys you more time to look at what Dermot can do, which is important because I think Dermot can play higher in the lineup than than all of those other guys than Carrick and Polak. And if like if they're serious about doing something this season, they should see what Dermot can do. Yeah, and it would be interesting to see what it would. Nah, he wouldn't do it. Like I was going to say, it would be interesting to see what it would look like if you did have Gardner and Dermott as a pair, and then you'd add a third one of I don't know Borgman and Zaitsev. But I just don't think that that's what's going right. to happen. No, Zaitsev's going to be back to twenty-four. And the thing that's going to be interesting too is Zaitsev's missed a lot of time. If he comes back and it takes him time, and he's really, it's not like he was. Well, and that's the thing. Like I didn't get into this when I wrote about kind of the the defense and their issues. But it's not like he was like burning the world no, on fire he wasn't either. Very good. Yeah. So like I, I think you and I have talked about and this. He was playing huge minutes. Yeah, like we were talking about this in the press box the other day. With Zaitsev, like their defense, like you look at it and it's like questionable. Without him, it just like kind of reveals just how many weaknesses they have. So do you agree with the fan base that is very, very frustrated with Babcock and wants to see him try a more skilled lineup and stop playing Matt Martin and stop playing Roman Polak and Play, yeah, it's like we've given up on him. Matt Martin. Yeah, I know. But the fan base just seems like... I get tweets now, responses to me like, fire Babcock, well, and this guy doesn't know what he's doing, and the fans of our, our turn have turned on him really dramatically. There weren't really a lot of Babcock complaints last year, I don't think. No. He was nominated for the Jack Adams. Mm-hmm. His first year, so. he did a good job. Yeah. Well, you, you wrote about this like after one game, um, you know, going back to Detroit, like how he would overplay... Uh, like Dan Cleary and yeah, like Justin Abel. It was the game Komarov had 24 and a half minutes. Yeah, which is too much. <laughs> the next day he said, I don't believe he had 24 minutes. But I argue to you that I feel like this is something that a lot of coaches, like a, a weakness that a lot of them have, where veterans or like guys who look like Komarov and look like Jay McClemon, you know, like types like that. Comfort that, goats. That's exactly what it is. And it's like you end up over relying on those guys because you feel like at least you know you're going to get an effort and you know that they, they sort of know what they're doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas like young guys, like let's say he started playing, I don't know, Kapanen or Levo over Martin. He'd feel like some shifts, I don't know what if they're going to know what they're doing. So th- then that brings me back to what I was saying before about some rosters work better with different systems and different coaches than others. I wonder if like this roster of young skilled guys maybe it's just not a great fit with Babcock maybe that's maybe Babcock's really good at coaching like the Zetterberg Datsuk Dan Cleary or maybe he's trying to transform them into that type of team it's yeah I know like you're trying to it kind of looks like take Matthews and make him into like this really good looks like putting a square key into a round hole kind of right but maybe it's like the way I mean he he has won quite a bit maybe it's the way he feels like that's how you win yeah I mean I mean, the Red Wings didn't win after 08. I don't know. He had the, that Anaheim team that he took to the, the, the final. final second year and that was, that was like a grinding. Remember Dan Bilesma was a player on that team. But to be fair, like you don't win in the playoffs just like running and gunning. You don't. No, but I don't think that's what people are advocating they do. I think well, but there's this whole conversation that they're not fun anymore. But isn't that that's what 
isn't that what that conversation is? That they're not like flying down the ice scoring. Like it wasn't that the complaint with the way that they played under Randy Carlisle at times that they were scoring or this was Randy Carlisle. Yeah, but Carlisle complaint. had them dumping the puck all the way to JVR on the far well, blue and line and tipping it in. Well, he was trying to stop them from being a team that scored a bunch of rush goals. Remember that conversation like we would always have with Van Riemsdyk, Bozak, and Kessel. He, he yeah. would be like, "You can't score off the rush," and blah 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 blah. It was like a Groundhog Day. Yeah. Yeah. Can't be a rush team. Hmm. The question. The question is. I think we agree that that's what Babcock's trying to do. A, is it the right thing to do? And B, will it work? Do you think... I, I Maybe I've changed my tune on this. Do you think they believe that they can win a cup this year? Or do you think they just believe that this is another year where they're just going to be good and try to take a step? I think management came into the year thinking they had a chance. So if they do nothing at the deadline, does that signal that, that they that think kinda, that they're not? I think they're probably going to add like some depth pieces. I think they're going to add either a fourth-line center or, well, or maybe another defenseman. Stop there. That was one of the questions that we got on Twitter. It was – where is it here? I think that's what's going to happen. They're gonna, oh, they're besides gonna keep, D, is there another area of need? And I think the obvious one is fourth-line center. I'm not, I haven't really looked at what's available in terms of rentals and stuff like that, but I think they'll probably try and find a forward that they can put in that spot that can win face-offs and – well, Be because man the and... Frederick Goche experiment is not working right. at all. Right. And clearly Mike Babcock doesn't. So have he's doing much the experiment with Goche in that space. Why doesn't he he should do it with the same thing with Dermot? Like give the guy a chance. Play him in the role, even if Well, because fourth line center is less you can hide that. It's guy. almost more important that you test out like a more important position and see what you have than yeah, it is. That's a... fair. Well Goche played like seven minutes here. This might night. be Goche's last chance here. It was yeah, yeah, I've never been on that. I've never been on that fan club or whatever you want. I just to call like it. using the goat emoji on Twitter. That's about the. Uh, yeah, th- that's what I enjoy. Someone sent me a crying goat emo uh, gif. The He's other- had some chances, like to score. Yeah, he which gets is the weird. puck in the offensive zone quite a bit. Yeah, I've noticed that more than. But he has his- been locked under forty percent possession, which is not good. It's like Jared Smithson territory. Yes. Yeah, Jared Smithson. Good shout out. Yeah. So the podcast I, I gotta mention is brought to you by Bab Socks. I'm wearing you're uh, wearing athletic Bab Socks, basically. I'm, I'm wearing yeah, the Bab Socks guys made athletic socks. If people came to the athletic event, they they potentially got a pair of them. Um, I was thinking I should give them a shout out. They can make socks for anything you want. If you have like a company that you want to get socks, like custom socks made, the Bab Socks guys can do it. That's so a good idea. Actually. Tell them that the Leaf Report podcast sent them there to get some custom socks created. And they will do that for your company or hockey team or whatever you want. Isn't so. this the point in the podcast where you're obligated to offer a yes. discount to yeah, someone? Yeah, yeah. What do you say? Any, anyone that wants a discount to The Athletic, download the app. You get some free stories. You'll quickly run out of free stories and say, man, I wish I was a subscriber and I will give you a discount. Just send me a message on Twitter and I'll give you a discount. It's going great. Like we... I get chirped on Twitter all the time about I'm never paying for this and you're going to fail and all this stuff. And then every day I get an email and it's like 80 people or 100 people or whatever have signed up. Like it's, you know, it's going really, really well in, in Canada and with hockey fans. They're embracing what we're doing. So it's it's pretty cool. Okay, that's good. Good sales pitch. Good sales pitch. That's, the promo section is over. Uh, so let's keep going. Um, is there anything else about Babcock you want to talk about? We talked about Polak. We talked about the defense. We've basically given up that Matt Martin is ever going to come out of the lineup. Um, 
It'll be really interesting if Lou Lamarillo is not the GM. If well, they that's make, another if one they of the make, questions. If they make that change, we should talk about this. If, okay, so let's let's say Let's say, like, they make that change. Let's say they make Kyle Dubas the GM in May or April or whatever. Mm-hmm. Does he start taking away the pieces? Does he trade away Matt Martin? Does he get rid of Roman Polak? Does he give Babcock just a skilled roster like... Well, that and, was and always, then what happens? Yes, well, because that was always the question with with Dubis, and I don't know if this is a valid storyline or not. But the idea was like at least with Lou Lamorello, you've got this guy who's been in the league forever, all this credibility. He's going to be able to stand up to Mike Babcock over lineup or personnel decisions. And Dubis, like he wouldn't be able to do that. He hasn't been around enough. Blah 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 blah. Do you think like? Do you think that's real? Like, do you think that's something that actually will happen, where he will have to? Not sign a player like Matt Martin. Well, the thing is, it feels like Babcock has a lot of say in who they sign and who they bring in. He's like, I think I said this on the podcast before, right? He's, or maybe I said it on the radio last week. He's more like coach slash assistant GM or something. Like it doesn't say that on his title, but besides Austin Matthews, is there anybody more important in the organization? No. So So like he knows that he knows he has an eight year. Well, how many other years left? Uh, Five and and a half. Yeah. So. This is year three already. Right, so. so five, yeah. So after this, five years left. That just might be a marriage that's not very productive if it's like a young analytic called GM. Yeah. Trying to not easy. put it, yeah. yeah. I get the sense now that, I don't know. And well, what do you think is going to happen like, with Lou? Even if Babcock's a really good coach, should he have say in what's happening with the personnel and stuff? He's never had that before. Well, there's a, a strong argument that coaches shouldn't. Right, have that because they, they're biased. Like, and they like their guys like Jay McClement, and they like their guys like Roman Polak. Right, and apparently, like the idea, I don't know who knows what what's true. Those or debates not. happen all the time, right? But like in other but, but apparently, like Ken Holland was like a really good, I don't know what the word is, like countervailing force against Mike Babcock because he had all this like credibility and he could just say no, like we're not doing that or we're doing this or I don't know. I think there's a lot of that happening right now in the Leafs front office where different people are saying different things and. Shanahan is kind of like the tiebreaker. And- well, but let's talk about Lou. Like, um, I think it's so silly that they're not saying what what's going on. I don't know what the need for it is. I don't know if that's like maybe they haven't decided. Maybe they don't know if Lamarello is coming back. Um, I kind of think they give him one more year. You think they sign him to a one year contract? I don't know if I see that. What are the options? So the options are sign him. I don't ever see him being a senior advisor. I just don't buy that. And if I was Kyle Dubas, I would not want him as a senior advisor. So let's say Brendan Shanahan comes in at the end of the season after the playoffs, sits down with Lou and says, you're a senior advisor. What's he going to do? I don't know. Quit? I don't know. So he quits. I mean, yeah, I guess that's the thing. I think that could happen. Do you- I think it is probably more likely to happen another year from now. I'm just, I'm just guessing. Like, sure. they're, they're, the organization isn't telling us what's happening with this. No. Brennan Shanahan hasn't talked other than Johnny Bauer related yeah. things all year. Well, do you think like a three-year? I don't know if you want to call it like an apprenticeship is the right way to go about this. Where you give him, it has been three years, right? Where he would have been, is it four? So he's. I remember it was when I was moving into my house. The day I was moving was the day they announced Kyle Dubas was hired. So that's three and a half years ago. Okay, so there you go. Is that enough? Four years by the end of the year, something like that. Remember, I showed up wearing like 
I think I had jogging pants on or something, and I like ran over to the arena because oh, we we got an email at like nine in the morning or something, and it said Poulin and Lozelle fired. Kyle Dubas hired as assistant GM. He was like twenty eight years old at that. Point. Remember they did a little press conference in the dressing room. Yes, and now you never ever hear from Kyle Dubas ever. Right, because but you did until I mean he spoke at Sloan and he did all a whole bunch and of then, different things. And then what happened? Right, and then Sweet then, came in. Then and now nobody shows. talks, so it's not just Kyle that doesn't talk. Yeah. You don't even hear Dubas really talk about the Marlies either. No. No, it's hard. Like, you, can, you can't get them. I mean, I tried in the well, early days to request them, and they just they won't give it. What do you think the reaction would be if he was made the GM? Like, do you think people... Like, it would be a really interesting experiment. Like, the only I other really... I think some really... fans would be really excited. I think that the older school media would be really, really hard on him and probably on the decision. Well, look at how people react to some of the stuff that John Chica does. Now, you can quibble with it, but it's always like, oh, the young guy doesn't get it. Analytics sucks. Uh, I react that some way to what's happened in Arizona, too. Because some of the stuff has been weird. Yeah. I don't know. I don't like how everyone equates every analytics guy is the same. (laughs) It's like if you're into analytics, you're like the face of it. It shouldn't even be into analytics. It's like you're into knowledge. You're into like... Facts, but I must. This must happen in in baseball and basketball. Like, there's all kinds of, like, some analytics guys are really, really good, mm-hmm. and some aren't. It's the same just as like anything. The same right? as scouts and everything else. Sure. Yeah. The whole discussion around the, like, a lot of the people that are talking about this analytical debate, especially on the anti-analytic side, they're just not educated at all. They haven't done. They haven't. They don't know anything about it. Yeah, that's why it was weird when I was talking to Lamorello and he said, you know, uh, the stats don't say, you know, how hard the minutes are that a guy plays or who he plays against. And I, I should have, and I didn't want to, like, put him on the spot, but I was, I should have said, like, actually they do. Like, right. we have all the numbers that, that show all right. that stuff. And we talk um, about that all the time, putting it in context. But and- this is why it was frustrating that he won't answer and that no one answers. It's really important to to know what that is because, like, the outlook of the team, and but what I, but as long do. as Shanahan knows what the answer is, then that's probably all right, right? Like as long yeah, as I it's suppose. like the thing is still being. Yeah, but Lou is still in charge, and so if Lou goes out and tr- trades for Eric Branson and Kyle Dubas wouldn't do that, I don't know. Well, but Shanahan is there to yeah, theoretically so. block anything that, like that's a good true. Branson move, would be a rental, right? So it's probably. Although, I mean, you look at some of what Canucks fans are hoping they're going to get, like a first-round pick and stuff like that, and it's like if the Leafs give up their first-round pick for good for renting good Branson, that is a disaster. Mm-hmm. And hopefully someone would step in so that doesn't happen. Yeah. That's the kind of thing I think fans... So there's an, yet another argument for give the young... I, I wrote this a couple days ago, and I'm sure the Leafs organization didn't love it, but I said, you know, if, if Dermott plays as well as he did in his first two games... They probably don't need to make a bad decision like a good Branson or a Ian Cole, or they don't have to give up a pick to acquire these guys. Like, just play the young, stick with the plan, and play your young guys. And he's one of the best defensemen, if not the best defenseman in the American Hockey League. He's going to play in the NHL. Well, and as you pointed out, he's better than Ian Cole, or he's better than right. Branson, or right? Any of those guys. And you don't have to give up anything for it for him. Yeah, you just have to give him opportunity and give him a chance to make mistakes. I think fans would be a lot more open to watching Dermot make mistakes for the next 25 games than Roman Polak or Leo Komarov or Matt Martin or, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah. Like, I, I get people are saying you're being impatient and they were last two years ago and all this stuff. It's like, exactly. 
So play the young guys. Like stick with the plan of development. And that means you can live with the mistakes. Yeah, but there's also like this countervailing I've used that twice now in this podcast. There's also this other force that they have these guys who they're gonna lose. Like Van Riemsdyk, Bozak, Komarov. The roster is going to like they have so this window now. So decide what you're to, doing then. Yes, like, are you going one point, way or the other? This was the point you made after the Tampa game. Like they need to decide if they're in to try to win this year, or if this is just like another year where they're just trying to get a little better. I don't know how much time you have. I think you have to leave. Yeah, we should wrap it. I had next two more few minutes. I wanted to talk about. So let's talk about them quickly. We haven't talked about this a lot. I wrote about it once, but it's kind of like faded into the background. Kadri has like one point in like. 16 games. They need to change that lineup. Leo's not providing any offense at all. They've they've got a Well, and there's like that line actually has been better possession-wise, but he you're right, he does not provide any offense. But so that what they, would that you line do? has to provide offense. You can't just have like what made the Leafs a, a tough team to face last year is that they were so dangerous. Yeah. They need they need three lines that produce offense. Every team in the NHL does. So what is the tweak that makes that line work? You have Marlowe Kadri and it's tough because it's hard to move guys around Brown? because you're locked into. Well, I guess so. that works. That makes it better. I mean, Brown hasn't had a great year. It's been a little slow of late, but he's got more juice offensively than Komarov. Yeah. So maybe that's the the fix. But again, this goes back to Babcock. We have not seen any willingness to change that. There maybe is put one... Marner on that line. I think they got to give Kadri more to work. Yeah, but with. Marner's wor- that line with Marner, Bozak, and Reimsek has looked. Pretty good the last little but while. But maybe you just do it to like so you have more than two lines that can produce offense. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's interesting. And give Marner a lot more minutes. I mean, I love the way that Marner has looked. Yeah, he's looked great. I, there, I was watching the other night uh, because the Leafs haven't been playing. I just had Sportsnet on in the background, and they were just they had this thing like I can't remember what it was like Leafs review or something for half an hour, and it was just like lots of highlights and stuff. And a lot of them lately were Marner like skating end to end, and there was that one goal he scored against Carolina. There was a goal he scored against Columbus, mm-hmm. just skating right through the neutral zone and carrying it, and then firing a shot, and it went in. And yeah, he's he, been very dodgy and like shifty yeah, and yeah, canish. He was doing things that the highlight packs you saw in junior he would do all the time. He's done that a couple of times in the NHL. I mean, I think that there's another example of something that Babcock could embrace and just like I think Marner could play 19 minutes a game in the NHL and he's being held back from doing that. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking like, is that because of like the sports science stuff? Is that because he feels like he's got, that was one bench? of the questions like, I saw we got is that people were like, do you think that Matthews and Nylander and Marner and Riley and these guys are playing fewer minutes because of sports science? And I think that that's probably accurate. I think it's yeah. probably accurate. Yeah. Like the San Antonio Spurs, like we're, way ahead of the it curve makes in this there are so many fucking games in the nhl like yeah are, like it all adds up like there are Connor mcdavid's so playing like 22 games. minutes a game right and that like you multiply that over the number of games it adds up so it'll be interesting to track and i'm sure we're going to do this at the athletic down the stretch as that ramps up like i i bet you well i mean they might be have clinched the playoff spot and they won't need to ramp it up but or even in the playoffs how it changes Although last year in the playoffs, I don't think they, they no, loaded they the minutes on guys. But I bet that changes as they become a team like that's legit on contending. It should. Um, before we go, anything you've got coming up that you want to let people know about that they can look for? Uh, I'm still debating what I'm going to write, so not not really. Isn't there a Merc bag coming up? Oh, yeah. I'm so sure people get, people get it. That is, for whatever reason, one of the most popular things that I write, which is kind of, kind of sad. Uh, I like reading it. It's fun. Okay. Uh, so we will be back 
Next, no, not next week, because you're going to be in Ottawa, right? So maybe the week after. So we could do it on. Okay, so we'll do it before you go. Thursday morning. All right, so we will be back next week. Yeah, let's do it next week. Okay, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in to the Leaf Report. Follow the guys on Twitter at Jonas Siegel and at Myrtle.